Well, good morning. My name is AJ. I am uh, privileged to be here. I want to thank uh, Pastor Odin, uh, to the team here. I want to particularly thank uh, Pastor John, the youth pastor, who uh, was kind enough to pick my wife and my five-year-old son up at the Buffalo <clears throat> train station at 1.30 in the morning uh, last night. Um, wonderful conversation and drive, and I, I think I was awake for part of the conversation, so... Um, I had a great uh, conversation with him, and we showed up uh, very late uh, last evening. Uh, I live in uh, the great land of Portlandia, uh, Oregon. Um, my family and I live uh, kind of in the urban core of Portland. I pastor a church uh, in the kind of center of uh, the weirdest town in America, um, Portland, and pastor a church called Theophilus. And I'm, I'm really privileged to be able to be with you over the course of the next few days. Um, This morning, I want to take a few minutes and reflect with you on the power of uh, Jesus inviting us, uh, come uh, and follow. Uh, I I wasn't raised in the church. Uh, In fact, I kind of grew up in a a non-Christian home. My uh, family... Uh, my dad is a doctor. My mom is a nurse. I was raised in kind of this um, kind of post-Christian family. I was raised in uh, in Oregon. I was uh, kind of lived there my entire life. My um, my upbringing, though, was anything but religious. We were nominally Catholic. I um, remember on occasion uh, going to. Uh, mass with my mother. My favorite part was snack in the middle of the service. Uh, and I find out later that you're not supposed to take the snack unless you're Catholic, but that's a different story. Um, <clears throat> but that sort of was my religious upbringing. And when I was 16 years old, kind of going through a, a very tumultuous season of life when my parents had been divorced, and I kind of really was undergoing some big changes in my own life. Um, I was sitting in my math class in high school, my geometry math class. And I overheard the two young 16-year-old sophomores behind me arguing about when Jesus was coming back. They had been reading a book called the Left Behind series. (laughs) And I sat there and listened to them argue about which Russian dictator was going to initiate the end times and why... I distinctly remember one of them saying we should never get a credit card because it has the mark of the beast on it. That was my introduction to Christianity. (laughs) I, of course, uh, had heard about Jesus. I had uh, thought about Jesus, but never sort of on on a deep heart level. I'd never really taken seriously the accounts of Jesus, particularly in the Bible. And so I went home, I remember that particular day after class, and I had this copy of the Bible that my father had given to me. And I sat in my bedroom, and I did that thing that you do when you don't know what to read in the Bible. I said, God, I I really, I'm going to open this. Speak to me. And I did the the flippy open thing. And I opened up, and read my Bible for the very first time, and I sat there at 16 years old and read the entire book of Leviticus. (laughs) And was really creeped out, actually, to be honest with you. Um, And I quickly sort of closed my Bible, and I said, well, I'm going to give it one one more chance. And I opened it back up, 
And this was what I read sitting at 16 years old in my math, in my, my bedroom. Once again, Jesus went out beside a lake. A large crowd came to him and he began to teach them. And he walked along. He saw Levi, son of Alphaeus, Matthew, the tax collector, sitting at his tax collector's booth. Follow me, Jesus said. Matthew got up and he followed Jesus. I sat there and I read that story. And I, I, I really, friends, I don't know, have, have really any language to describe what happened in my own heart, my mind. Um, those words, follow me, come follow me, were tattooed, as it were, on my heart. <clears throat> a week later, I was in my little uh, Mazda, red Mazda pickup truck to go play basketball at the YMCA. <clears throat> and I sensed Jesus saying to me, AJ, come follow. I pulled my car over and I cried and I became a Christian. And I wasn't listening to K-Love or anything. I mean, this was like <laughs> out of the blue, weird, random. <clears throat> and I've been following Jesus the last 19 years of my life. And I can tell you with all confidence that following Jesus has completely destroyed my life. And I say the word destroyed very intentionally. There's a form of Christianity going around that I think is heretical. That says something like this. Follow Jesus and your life is improved. And as I read the story of Jesus, Jesus had nothing to say about life improvement. Jesus did not come to improve our old life. Jesus actually came to end our old life and give us a brand new one. Jesus did not come to improve an old dead life. He came to see that dead life dead and resurrect a new life. And so if you're looking to follow Jesus as sort of a, a way to improve your life, I, I would encourage you to find another religion. Because ultimately Jesus came that we would die and begin to live in him. That the old would go, the new would come. It's a lot easier not following somebody who says you have to love your neighbor. It's a lot easier not having to pray for your enemies. It's a lot easier not having to care for the poor. But when you follow this guy, you have to start doing those things. For the next few minutes, I just want to talk about a few of the things that have destroyed my life. And I hope destroy yours too. When you follow Jesus, you find this to be the case. Jesus is constantly inviting himself over for dinner. Um, there's a sort of part of this text. I'm, I'm shocked some of you didn't laugh when I read it. It's, it's got a normal rhythm to it, as many of the gospel stories do, where Jesus calls somebody. He says to Matthew, sitting in his tax collector booth, come and follow me. Matthew leaves behind his tax collector's booth. He stands up, begins to follow Jesus. And then all of a sudden, that's verse 14, between 14 and 15, there's this very awkward transition. Many of the commentaries note this transition, have no sort of idea how to deal with it. Uh, because Jesus says, come follow me. And then all of a sudden, in verse 15, the next verse, they're eating in Matthew's house. Now, I may be playing a little bit with the text here, but I actually think this is the heart of Jesus, and I think this is what Jesus did. 
I think Jesus said to Matthew, come follow me. Matthew gets off of a tax collection booth. He comes and follows Jesus. He's like, great, I'm here, I'm with you, I'm on your team. And somewhere along the way, we don't know where it is, between the lake, somewhere in the woods, we don't know. But they're walking along the way, and then all of a sudden, they're walking. And Jesus turns to Matthew, and he says, you got any food? (laughs) And Matthew's like, I guess so. Come on, come on over. And every person in this room who knows a college student knows what a college student does. Uh, College students are great at inviting themselves over for dinner. Uh, They have no conscience whatsoever. They just sort of show up on your door and they're like, I'm here. I have been eating top ramen for two years. Can I please eat some food? Jesus, Jesus was a homeless carpenter. And I think Jesus is like every college student I've ever known. I teach at a number of universities and I know college students. I think Jesus is always going to keep inviting himself over for dinner. And you go, well, that's not biblical how Jesus doesn't do that. Jesus doesn't stand there and invite himself in. Read the end of the Bible. Jesus himself says to the churches in Revelation, I stand at the door and knock. Anybody who lets me in and eat, eat with them. I'll dine with them. This is Bible 101. Jesus is like every college student you've ever known. He invites himself over. And a lot of us, particularly introverts, are very disturbed by that. Because you know what we love? Personal space. (laughs) We'll schedule things. You come over when we ask you to. Jesus, I'll let you come in Sundays between 9, 8.20 and 9.20. You can come in then. But the minute I get in that car, bucko, you're gone. We love giving Jesus parts of our life, don't we? To say, Jesus, you can come over in these hours, you can come over here. But there's no, absolutely no record of any occasion in which Jesus ever lives by the etiquette books that we have written for him. Jesus does not care about our personal bubbles. Jesus invites himself in. And that's so fundamentally important because, friends, as a Christian, as a follower of Jesus, maybe you didn't get this memo. But if you're a Christian, if you're in Christ, nothing in your life is yours anymore. Nothing. Your entire life is now his. Certainly we can come to him and say, Jesus, I'll give you parts of my life. You can have this, you can have that, but not really these parts of my life. You can talk to me about, listen, I'll stop cussing, I'll go to church, that's fine. I might even serve in the kids' ministry every once in a while. But don't you dare ask me for my money. And don't you dare talk to me about who I'm sleeping with. And don't you dare talk to me about sexuality. But Jesus isn't into that. Jesus is not interested in parts of our life. He wants all of us. He wants the whole thing. Have you noticed how many times in the Gospels, Jesus, who by the way, is God, Jesus, Jesus wasn't just a good dude. This was God. Jesus was there when they invented water. 
He invented, he invented Saturn. Not bad. Have you ever noticed, friends, that this omniscient, omnipresent, all the omnis, this, this Jesus, who can do all things, is all things, invented all things, he is above all time, he's transcendent, this God who can do anything. Have you noticed how many times in the Gospels he borrows stuff? That's not a funny theological point. Jesus is all, the omniscient, omnipresent God is always borrowing donkeys <laughs> and boats and money and time and little kids' foods that he breaks up and feeds people. <laughs> Friends, this is, you, you may be laughing. This is Bible 101. Why in the world would the omniscient present God who invented Saturn and water be borrowing our stuff? You want to know why? Because Jesus knows if he can get to our stuff, he can get to us. And for some of us, friends, we want Jesus to come in. You're you're invited in, Jesus. But the last thing I want to have to do is make you dinner. And for some of us, you're wondering, why am I struggling to connect with Jesus? Why am I struggling to connect to church? Why am I struggling to connect with faith? But the last time you wrote a tithe check was in the Ronald Reagan administration. Or the last time you supported a missionary was five years ago. The last time you gave some food to the poor. I think, I want to tell you this morning, I flew from Portland to tell you this. Your stuff isn't your stuff. The older I get, this scares me to death. 35 years old. The more stuff I own, the more it begins to own me. And friends, being a Christian means I don't hold on to my stuff. I don't hold on to my dinner table. I don't hold on to my food with closed fists. I live like this. What do you want, Jesus? Sure, you want to invite yourself over for dinner. I'll make you whatever you need. Jesus is always inviting himself over into our, into our lives. And I want to point out as well that not only is Jesus sort of breaking into our personal bubbles, inviting us to live more self-giving generously. Secondly, whenever Jesus does come over, he's always bringing people that you won't like. Always, every time. Do you notice here that Jesus, first of all, gets in trouble for who he's hanging out with? Matthew, the text tells us that the Pharisees, the religious folks, look at Jesus and his disciples and say, why does he eat with tax collectors and sinners? Jesus is always getting in trouble for the people he's eating with. In fact, my friend Len Sweet, who's a, a theologian, says that is the definition of the gospel. The gospel is Jesus eats really, really, really good food with really, really bad people. That's the whole gospel. The whole gospel is just a really good God eating with really bad people. That's the good news. Amen? Do you believe it? Amen. Jesus is getting in trouble with who he's eating with. But not only is Jesus getting in trouble with who he's eating with, you find out that Jesus actually starts inviting people that in the normal world, friends, are going to completely hate each other. Now, Jesus calls a guy named Matthew the tax collector here. Let me illustrate. Why does the Bible say the tax collector? What an unfortunate last name. Why the tax collector? Why in the world is a Bible, why do we remember this poor guy as a tax collector? That would be, if, if you work for the IRS, like John, the IRS guy. Like, oh, how unfortunate is that? Matthew, the tax collector. Why in the world is that so important? Well, Matthew worked for the government. 
he was, he was a big government guy. He was uh, certainly, I mean, he was feeding off of uh, uh, the, 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 the taxed funds of, of the people uh, around him. I, I, I guess you could say, in a sense, Matthew was a Democrat. <laughs> hold on, hold on. Before you leave the church. <laughs> he was a big government guy. He was. He lived. I mean, this was his job. Now, you think about Matthew, the tax collector. Jesus says, come follow me. Don't just think about him, friends. You've got to think about the other disciples that Jesus chose to come follow him. Do you find it interesting that Jesus said to Matthew, the tax collector, and then another guy, Simon the Zealot, come and follow me. Now, Simon the Zealot, let me illustrate who this guy is. The Zealot. Again, unfortunate last name. Do you know what that meant? He was anti-government guy. Couldn't stand the government. He wanted Rome to fall. He, he wanted no government. I mean, he was like Mr. Puritan. He just wanted nothing. Just, he was a libertarian. <laughs> or a tea party guy. Okay. Now, do you find it interesting... That Jesus says to two people of such fundamentally different political opinions. And he comes to both of them and he says, hey, come follow me. It's as if Jesus is saying, hey, your politics, they're really cute. (laughs) But can you follow me? Friends. As I travel our country and preach in churches and colleges, the church of Jesus has to be reminded that we are not one because we agree on a politic or because we agree on a politician. We are one because we've been forged by the cross of Jesus Christ. And friends, do you know what that means? Here's what, I, here's what that means. If you're a Hillary Trump, if you're a Hillary Trump... <laughs> If you're a Hillary Clinton fan, I mean this. I'm going to pray that God gives you a Trump supporter to be your friend. If you're a Trump supporter, I'm going to pray that God gives you a Hillary Clinton fan for you to have to love. Do you know why? Because Jesus is always bringing people over that you can't stand. Because in doing so, he's teaching you what he's all about. Do you think Jesus saves you because he likes you and your politics? No, Jesus saves you because he loves you. This is one of the most freeing ideas in Christianity. You've never been invited to like your neighbor. You've been invited to love them. Anne Lamont says this. You know that you have created God in your own image when God hates everybody that you hate. And if you're going to be a Christian, friends, you're going to find this very quickly. He's going to start bringing people over that you can't stand. You may be sitting next to them right now. And you're going, gosh, is this the right church for me? There are people here I don't like. Friends, if you go to a church where everybody's there that you like, that's not a church, that's a cult. This is the church of Jesus. And this is made by the blood of Christ. I want to close with this. 
You know, we always, I love the book of Jonah. The book of Jonah is this story of this missionary who God sends to Nineveh. And Jonah goes and he goes and he preaches. Do you, do you realize, friends, how effective that missionary journey was? It says the whole city of Nineveh repented. It says, the text says that even the cows repented. Effective. <laughs> effective. That's good church growth there when cows are getting saved. Yes, Lord. We baptize them. Friends, we always love Jonah, but we never read Jonah 4, the last chapter in Jonah, do we? Because in Jonah 4, Jonah sits under a tree and he says, God, why did you ever let me be born? God, why am I even alive? Why in the world did Jonah sit under a tree after such an effective missionary trip? Here's why. Because Jonah could not stand the fact that God loved his enemies. And he says to God, Jonah was a racist. And he sits under a tree and he says, God, I can't even believe, I can't believe that you love them. And friends, I, may I provoke you this morning in the name of Jesus. May I provoke you to stop sitting under your tree and wonder why God loves all of your enemies and be reminded that you were loved when you were an enemy. And that is why you love others around you. Love others as Christ has loved you, friends, This God, you name one other God that turns enemies into children. You are an enemy of God and God has made you his kid. So if you're a Trump supporter, friends, go love a Hillary fan. If you're voting for Hillary, go love a Trump fan. Friends, if you're not voting at all, go find somebody who's voting and love them. (laughs) But I tell you this, friends, in the name of Jesus, this place, these people, These names, these bodies, this church is forged by the love of Jesus and nothing else. Amen? Let's pray. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, thank you for the word of God. I would pray that you would continue to invite yourself over for dinner. And I pray, God, that as you come, you would bring people that we can't stand. So that when we love them, God, a little snippet, of the kind of love that you gave us would be extended to others. God, thank you for this morning. The fact we're alive as a gift. Would you teach us? Would you grow us? And would you make us more and more into the likeness of Christ as we love the world around us? In the name of Jesus. Church, would you say amen?